Jonah chapter three, and uh, I'm really reading Jonah chapter four, but I'm going to touch on how, uh, what kind of sets Jonah off here. When God saw that they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. But for Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And so he became angry and he prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home, this is what I tried to forestall by fleeing Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take my life for it's better for me to die than to live. And so the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? I can't wait to talk about that one. Is it right for you to be angry? And Jonah had gone out and sat down in a place east of the city, and he made for himself a shelter. He sat down in the shade, and he waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head and ease to his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. We don't know exactly what kind of plant it was, but he's very happy about the plant. I mean, look at it. What are you thinking? I mean, he, he's very happy about the plant. I mean, I'm like, Jonah's high is what I'm thinking. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm. So maybe some tequila mixed in. I don't know what's happening here, but he chewed. I shouldn't know that much about stuff, should I? I shouldn't know that. I've never had one, but I have heard that there's worms in. Is it tequila? Am I right? Was I right? Oh, look at that. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed up the plant. I got to get right here. And so it withered when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head. So he grew faint and he wanted to die. And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, I'm so angry. I wish I were dead. I'm so angry. I wish I were dead. But the Lord said to him, you've been concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left. In other words, they are lost. I want to talk to you about why we keep making the same mistakes over and over and over. Is there anybody here that would be willing to admit that you have some mistakes that are on repeat? That, that maybe at this point you've learned to justify, which is just a lie, but do we not have the tendency to be on this merry-go-round of wrong decision after wrong decision after wrong decision? And maybe, maybe it's not you, but maybe you know someone 
and you look at their life and you're like, I I do not understand how it is that they keep making that same mistake over and over again. They just got out of one bad relationship. How everyone is telling them this is a bad relationship too, but they go from wrong relationship to wrong relationship to wrong relationship. They go from this job to that job, to that job, to that job. And it's always the past job. It's always, well, they don't do they in this church and that church and that church and that church. And it's always, but they just are on repeat on repeat over and over again. The same mistake. The last chapter of Jonah is insight into why we keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. Now we would know that that means that Jonah has already run from God. He has already been thrown into the stormy waters. He's already been swallowed by the whale. He spent three days in the belly of the fish. This is already over. It's already done. He's been vomited up onto dry ground. He's walked for three days through the city of Nineveh, preaching to the city. So he's doing everything that he was supposed to do. But verse two tells us of chapter four that he's really not changed much from the initial reason he ran. He's not really evolved. He's not, he's not, he's, he's done some surface things. I mean, who wouldn't after they spent three days in the belly of a whale and then God lets you survive that you're going to change some things, but he doesn't really go deep in his change. And so now we're in chapter four, all of this is in our rear view mirror. And now Jonah is repeating the exact same mistake that put him in the belly of that fish in the first place. C.S. Lewis says there are two kinds of people, those who say to God, thy will be done. And to those whom God says, all right, then have it your way. So this is God's final lesson to Jonah, and he's going to take his time. Uh, We know that God's providing a leafy plant to grow. It's going to grow large enough to provide shade for Jonah. Then God's going to send a worm and the worm is going to chew at the plant and eventually the plant will wither and die. After this event takes place, God is going to preach his final sermon to Jonah. And I want us to look at this part of the story and look at three quick reasons why we repeat the same mistakes over and over. Number one, Jonah refused to fire the liar. The Bible says God provided the plant. So God not only speaks to us through the scriptures, he not only speaks to us through uh, preaching, he not only speaks to us through uh, ways that are churchy, if you will. God speaks to us through the stars. He speaks to us through the birds. His eye is on the sparrow is what the Bible teaches that he watches over you and I. He speaks through fiery furnaces, through lion's dens, through troubles, through enemies, through crosses. Remember, Jesus is hanging there on the cross and he's still preaching to you and I. He's preaching to us about forgiveness. He's preaching to us about caring for people that are far from God. He's preaching to us about loving our family. He's hanging on a cross, but yet through that, he's teaching us. Now God is going to teach Jonah and he's going to teach him 
not through sitting in a church service, but he's going to teach him through a plant and a worm. And this is is part of how God teaches people. He doesn't just teach us in the way we think. For example, Moses is on the backside of the desert. He's running from God and he walks upon a bush that's burning and is not consumed. And then God starts to speak out of the flame of that bush and begins to tell Moses to go back and to do what he's called him to do. And it was a plant that God used to speak to Moses. We would know it was Aaron's rod that budded that, that, for example, told Pharaoh that God was the greatest of all gods. Remember Aaron threw the rod down and the rod swallowed all the other serpent, it turned into a serpent and swallowed all the other serpents. We would know that that rod that was a dead stick, a dead branch of an almond tree went into the presence of God and came out with a fully budded almond fruit on it. And so God spoke to his people through Aaron's rod that budded. Jesus said it like this. I'm the vine. You're the branches. And so out of 390,000 plant species on our planet, it's clear that the creator uses creation to communicate. Now God is going to take Jonah and he's going to preach to him through a plant and a worm. Now the plant, the Bible says, brings ease and comfort and shade to Jonah. Again, the Bible says that Jonah is very happy with the plant. He's angry at God. He's angry at Nineveh, but he's happy with the plant. He's happy with the shade. He's happy with ease. He's happy with the comfort in life. And this is really what most of us want. We want that plant religion. Like we want God to give us ease, shade, and comfort. And we know this by basic stats. Stats. This is not an attack, by the way. It's just a stat that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. This is a, a stat that runs true. In this church, it runs true in every organization you could imagine. 20% of the people carry 80% of the burden. And this is not because 20% of the people are wealthier or less busy or have more time across all economic statuses, across all kinds of different schedules and plans. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. The other 80%, they sit back and they believe someone owes them. Life owes them. The church owes them. The government owes them. God definitely owes them. And what does he owe them? He owes them that plant religion. Give me ease, give me shade, and give me comfort. That's what I want. I want that plant religion. And so God shows up to Jonah who's enjoying the ease. He's enjoying the shade and the comfort. And he says, is it right for you to be angry? Remember he's angry because God is full of grace. He's angry because God is compassionate. He's upset because God is slow to anger and abounding in love. And God says to him, is it right for you to be angry? Let me translate it for you. Jonah, you are in the middle of the ocean during a storm. I provided a whale after 72 hours of being in the belly of that whale. You finally get humble enough to cry out to me. You want another chance. You, you want me to give you another opportunity. You survive. You go through Nineveh. Now you're sitting back under the shade of this plant, enjoying ease and comfort. And God says to Jonah, 
okay, is it right for you to be angry after all I've done, after all I've brought you through? Is it right for you to be angry? But this is a image of that plant religion. We want to live angry and love comfort. He wants an entire city to be destroyed, but he wants to be comfortable in his personal life. God's gone to extremes for Jonah. He's gone through storms and oceans. He's used whales. Now he's using plants and he's using worms all to help Jonah change. But Jonah doesn't want to change. Jonah is unwilling to take an honest look at himself. Jonah is unwilling to make any adjustments. And so God shows up and he holds up the mirror. And imagine the reflection in the mirror. Jonah's kicked back. He's got the shade. He's got the comfort. He's got the ease. But he's so angry at Nineveh. God's like, is this, is this, let me get this right. The ocean, you were thrown overboard. Let me get this right. In the middle of a storm, belly of a well. Let me, let me get this right. Now I've provided this plant and you're still angry. How is it that I could do all that for you? And now you're sitting in your little comfortable place of ease, but you're still wishing destruction upon other people. Why are you angry? Why are you doing what you're doing? Really? Let me ask you this. Are you being honest with yourself? That's what God's asking Jonah. Jonah, are you being honest with yourself? Which is a great question to ask yourself is, am I being honest with myself? And then maybe add to that. Really? Am I really being honest? with myself, because if I'm not willing to face where I actually am, if I'm not willing to look in the mirror, if I want to keep making excuses, there's no way I'll ever make any progress in life. And so this is a come to Jesus moment for Jonah. No one else is around. It's just him and God. And God wants to know Jonah, are you being honest with yourself? Are you really looking at your life in an appropriate way? And we need those times where we're alone, we're by ourselves and God asks us the questions and we get honest with ourselves. We can lie to our spouses. We can lie to our friends. We can lie to our church people, our work colleagues, but be honest enough. To say to yourself, I'm off. Something's not right. Be honest enough to not lie to yourself. Got everybody else fooled, but don't fool yourself. God wants Jonah to fire the liar. And we all have a liar on the inside of us. We all have that salesman on the inside of us. He's so good. And you know what he does? He sells us terrible ideas left and right, left and right. He's so convincing at telling us to do the most terrible things, to make the worst decisions. 
But God shows up and wants Jonah to know you're going to have to deal with that liar. You're going to have to fire that liar because God did not bankrupt heaven for you to have a plant religion. He didn't bankrupt heaven so you can live angry and love comfort. He didn't bankrupt heaven so you can live bitter and love comfort. He didn't bankrupt heaven for you to live in any way outside of what is his highest way and just love all the ease of life. So God comes to Jonah and he says, Hey, you're going to have to deal with this now. Let's notice this for just a second, that God's not telling Jonah that what he's gone through wasn't traumatic. It's very clear that Jonah went through some things. These were not positive things. These were things that were a real disruption to his life. He probably has a right in ways to be angry, to be confused, to be hurting, He's been through storms. He's been thrown overboard by people. He's been through circumstance after circumstance that he should have never survived. He shouldn't be where he is. He should have never made it. Now he's been sent to a people that are violent and oppressive. And so he's alone in a strange place. But yet God is taking all of these things and he's wanting to use them as a catalyst to change Jonah's life. He's not just trying to change Nineveh. He's trying to change Jonah. But Jonah has to make the choice. What kind of change is this going to produce in me? Is this going to cause me to grow? Am I going to evolve from this? Am I going to be stronger after I go through this? Or am I going to just get stuck in the grief and the anger of life? God provides the plant. God provides the ease, the comfort. God provides the shade. What is this? It's a space of grace. It's a temporary easement. It's a time for Jonah to look in the mirror, be honest with himself, identify the liar and fire the liar. Why? Because it's the place God begins to talk to Jonah about how much greatness he has for him, that he has more for him than this plant religion. He gave him the plant, but he doesn't want Jonah to be more passionate about the plant than he is him. How many things are we living in? God has given us the things. God has given us the stuff, but we're more passionate about the stuff than we are him. Been a couple of weeks since I preached. Ain't got my vo voice muscle back. It's been a, how many things, and instead of the things serving us, we bowed our knee and we're serving the things the, the plant is not evil. Jonah has a wrong relationship with the plant. He's too attached to the plant. He's, he's, he's so attached to the thing that's going to wither and die away anyway, but he's not attaching his life to something greater, something eternal. And God is there telling Jonah, listen, life is greater than comfort. What I'm calling you to is bigger than your anger. It's bigger than your hurt. It's bigger than your wounds. It's bigger than what went wrong. It's bigger than who did you wrong. It's bigger than all of that. And it's even bigger than the comfort you've created to try to get away from all of that. All that has come is a catalyst for change. All that has happened is a catalyst for change. You can grow from this Jonah. You can be stronger because of what you've been through Jonah. 
There is a way to find purpose in what you've been through, Jonah. But Jonah refused to fire the liar. The number one reason people continue to repeat the same mistakes over and over and over is they refuse to fire the liar. Number two, we get stuck on the summit of Mount Stupid. I knew you'd like that. So Jonah, the Bible says, goes east of the city. He builds a shelter. He sets down. This is the image. I'm not moving. I'm done. I did what I was supposed to do. I did the right thing. I went and I preached to those people, like you said. So Jonah's not running this time. He's stuck this time. Same issue, different form of rebellion. He's learned. I'm not going back into the ocean. I'm not going to get on a boat. I'm, 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 I'm not going that way, but yet he's still not changed. He's decided to rebel, not by running, but by saying, I'm not moving. I'm staying right here. I'm sitting right here and I'm not doing any more. And so what happens? God gives him a plan, gives him some time to work through it. Aren't you thankful for that? God gives us some time, but then God provides the worm. Read it. God provided the worm too. And it chewed up the plant. The very thing that made Jonah so happy is gone. And now God starts to preach the sermon to him. God says to Jonah, Jonah, why are you so angry about the loss in your life? Why are you so angry about that thing that made you so happy? Why are you so upset that now it's gone? So Jonah says to God, I'm so angry. I wish I were dead. Every one of us have things that scare us, hurt us, fail us, sadden us, even anger us. What is your I'm so? I'm so blank. I wish I were dead. I'm so blank. I wish the marriage was dead. I'm so blank. I wish I could just go ahead and just call it quits in this area of my life. Maybe it's I'm so lonely. Maybe it's I'm such a failure. Maybe it's, I'm so sad. I'm so afraid. I'm so ashamed for Jonah. It was, I'm so angry, but what is your, I'm so that it keeps getting worse and worse and worse to where you're even devaluing the time that you have on the planet. You're wasting away your days and maybe you're not saying I'm suicidal or maybe you are, but you're saying to yourself, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I'm done giving. I'm done. I'm done putting myself out there. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done putting any effort into things. I'm done. 
Jonah says, I'm so angry. I wish I was dead. Why? Because he lost something that made him happy. He lost something that he wanted. Maybe you've lost your career. Maybe you've lost the marriage. Maybe you've lost a loved one in this last season. And I'm not here to in any way say that you should not grieve and you should not have the time to, to work through the loss of hope or the loss of confidence, but you cannot ignore the worm. What is the worm? The worm is the thing that eats away what God provided. You know how many people let the worm devour all kinds of other things God's provided because of one area of their life they're not happy about? Now, now the worm's eating all these other things over this one thing. For Jonah, the worm represented his anger. For you, it's whatever you're, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so hurt. I'm so, I'm so offended. I'm so, I'm so discouraged. I'm so disappointed. And the worm shows up and it chews up the plant. Worms in the Bible represent finality. In Acts 12, 23, Herod did not give praise to God. And the Bible says he was eaten by worms and he died. Look at what Herod's worm was. It was he wanted all the glory. He wanted all the attention, all the credit. He did not want to give any to God. And that was his worm. In the Old Testament, God sent manna every single morning to the children of Israel to provide for them, to bless them, to sustain them, to give them what they needed, to make it. And God says one thing, I do not want you to go hoard the manna up. Don't go store it up. But some people went out, they grabbed it. They were afraid God's not going to provide tomorrow. We're not really sure God's going to do it again. We you know he's done it before, but we're not sure if he's done it again. So what do they do? They go, they hoard it up in the, those, that manna turned into maggots, sending us a message that for some of us, our worm is we cannot get over the fact that we doubt God will provide again. He's provided up until this point, but we just start to pull it in. And that was the children of Israel's worm. Hell is described as the place where the worm never dies. Think about that. The finality of what the worm represents. And yes, hell is a real place, but let's stop a second and let's think about the intangibles that we know about referring to hell. We know about the intangibles in heaven, right? What are we praying? We pray on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying for peace. We're praying for joy. We're praying for healing, right? We're praying for everything that heaven is to show up here on a chaotic planet. But there are intangibles to hells too. And those intangibles, just like you can pray as it is on, uh, in heaven, let it be on earth. You can also attract on earth as it is in hell. And you know what hell is like? Living your life where the worm never dies. The thing that's eating you up on the inside never dies. The anger, the resentment, the hostility never dies. And maybe it gets so bad you think to yourself, I wish I was dead. That, my friend, is hell on earth. And Jonah is living in that kind of a hell. He's stuck wishing what happened never happened. He's stuck longing for a time before the trauma. He's stuck believing that he's alone. 
that no one understands. C.S. Lewis says, pain is God's megaphone to a deaf world. I like that. We don't have to stay stuck on the summit of Mount Stupid. You can kill the worm. There is a way that no worm can survive. There's one thing that you can do and no worm can survive this. And it's to do what Jonah did not do. Ask God some questions. Let me tell you what that is. It's called humility. Because if you look at the picture, God's asking all kinds of questions. Jonah's making all kinds of statements. Jonah's full of statements. What, What are his statements? It seems like what God is doing is wrong. That's how, that's how, that Jonah thinks he's God's teacher, <laughs> but God is the student. He asks questions. No worm can survive humility. The willingness to not make statements to God, but to ask God questions. Maybe asking a question like this, God, what is the wisest thing for me to do long-term? I know I'm hurting. I know I'm angry. I know I'm upset. And I know my immediate response is this, but what is the wisest thing for me to do long-term? Jonah did the right thing. Three days dripping in well vomit. He preaches to Nineveh, but he did not do the wise thing. How do we know this? Because he only cared about his point of view. He preaches to Nineveh. He tells them what he thinks they need to hear. He tells them God's going to destroy you. God's going to do this to you and God's going to do that to you. But now he's in his plant religion. He's in this place where he's living angry and loving comfort. And he's leaving the worm alone. He's letting the worm just devour the plant. He's letting the worm just devour what God's provided. And he's living in this angry anger because he only saw things from his point of view. Humility says things like I need to care about what God cares about. Plant religion says I do what I want. How do I see it? Humility says I need to keep the well-being of Nineveh in mind. I need to keep the well-being of others in mind. And you know what plant religion is? It's worm food. You know what the anger is? You know what the bitterness is? You know what the offense is? You know, you know what the sadness is? You want to know what, what all that is? That's plant food. A lack of humility, I'm sorry, is worm food. Humility comes to God and asks questions. Think about what Jonah probably should have asked. In light of my past experiences... Considering my current circumstances, God, what would be the best and wisest thing for me to do moving forward? That, that would have been a good question, but Jonah's justifying his, his, he says to God, God, listen, this is what I said when I was running the first time. This is why I was trying to forestall this the first time. This is why I, all that stuff happened the first time. Jonah is still making statements. 
But plant religion always leads to regret and loss. But humility will kill the worm. Humility, listen, where that begins, grace enters. What never hit Jonah was maybe I need to change. Maybe I need to let all of these things change me up. Maybe instead of telling God what I want, maybe I should ask him what he wants. But instead, Jonah gets stuck suffering on the summit of Mount Stupid, and he's reliving the same mistakes over and over and over again. So number two, the reason we keep reliving these mistakes is we get stuck in the suffering. We get stuck making statements instead of asking questions. And then number three, and I'm done. This one's going to go quick. Regrets remind us they don't define us. Jonah, God says, Hey, listen, I know you love that plant. I, I know you cared about it. And I know that in the wake of its loss, you want to die. You don't even see life worth living. But God wants Jonah to answer his question. Should I not care about Nineveh? Should I not care about the 120,000 people that are lost in Nineveh? And then watch it. I didn't even know how I was going to finish the sermon because of this moment. God drops the mic. God's done talking. According to what we have knowledge of, God never talks to Jonah again. We don't get a conclusion. The movie ends midstream. Jonah is the author, which tells us he knows the end, but he didn't want to tell us his end. The tension is strategic. He left it open-ended for us because what's more important than how did Jonah's story end is how is my story going to end? You know, at some point this season that you've been through, this incident that you've been through, this, this circumstance that you're facing will just one day be a story. That's it. That's all it'll be. It'll be a story you tell or a story that someone else tells you. And I just decide what story do we want to tell? What story do we want other people to tell? And you can just step back like Jonah living angry and loving comfort, or you can put your hands back on the steering wheel. C.S. Lewis says you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. If you can't tell, I've been reading a lot of C.S. Lewis lately. Why do most people not learn from their mistakes? Why do most people keep repeating the same mistakes over and over? It's because they're convinced that the mistakes that they've made are someone else's fault. And we live in a culture that believes the worst thing that can happen to you is you feel bad about things that you've done wrong. And that's not true. The worst thing is, is that you don't feel bad about something that is bad about yourself. No, the worst thing is that I feel bad about myself. No, that's not the worst thing. The worst thing is that you don't feel bad about yourself. 
in an area of your life that is bad. It's okay to have regrets. It's okay to have things you look back on and say, I wish I would have never done that. I wish I would have never said that. I wish that would have never happened. We've all got regrets. We're all going to have regrets. The regrets remind us. They do not define us. In the end, God is teaching Jonah what's the most important thing. It's not the plant. It's not the comfort. It's not the ease. It's not the shade. It's not your feelings. It's not your anger. It's not your opinions. It's not your statements. In the end, God is telling Jonah, you need to have a bigger vision than just what's happening in your own life. 120,000 people in Nineveh are lost. You know what he's trying to get Jonah to do? Jonah, I need you to look at the big picture. This is just a moment of your life. This is a blip on the radar screen of your life, let alone a blip on the radar screen of the grand picture. And he's trying to help Jonah realize it's about souls. It's a, about the, the fact that there's something that lasts for all of eternity. And that's not our plant. That's not our ease. That's not our comfort. There's something that lasts for all of eternity. And you know what that is? That's a human soul. And he's trying to help Jonah realize I need you, Jonah, to care about souls. I need you to care about more than what you're going through. I love this. C.S. Lewis said, if you live for the next world, you get this one in the deal. But if you live only for this world, you lose them both. What is he saying? Care about Nineveh, care about lost people, care about your community, care about your nation. Do more than want to preach to them. Do more than want to make statements. Do more than want to just quote Bible verse, verses. Do more than just want to make a statement on Facebook about how bad the world is and how God is tired of the world. And realize that what God was needing from Jonah was not just a preacher. He was need to Nineveh. He was needing a man that would care about Nineveh. A man that would love Nineveh. A man that would show up and love them and serve them after he preached to them. Jonah just wanted to tell them how bad they were and then set back in his comfort and hope God destroyed them. Let's remember that Jesus gave his life for people. He did not give his life for the message. He is the message. He gave his life for people. Watch this. And this is what he said to us, a new command I give to you that you love one another and don't stop there. Even as I loved you, how'd he love us? How'd he love us? Bleeding and dying. He never gave up the bigger vision. We need to ask ourselves, I know we have some regrets, but they shouldn't define us. They should just remind us. 
Let's make some adjustments, but we have our hands on the steering wheel. We do have a say in how things move forward in our lives. We don't have to be, I'm so angry. I wish I was dead. We don't have to live that way. We don't have to live allowing our peace and our joy to be eaten up by anger and resentment and hostility or whatever your I'm so might be. Amen. I love the fact that the story of Jonah doesn't end. We know how it ends because he doesn't tell us. We know it ends positive. We know it does because he didn't want to tell us. He didn't want to resolve it. He wanted to leave us hanging. He wanted to leave us with this idea. Not every story ends positive. You do have a choice how it ends. You do have a choice what story is being told. You just have to decide what kind of story. A story of this happened, they grew from it. This happened, they're stronger because of it. This happened, they're wiser because of it. This happened, they got better because of it. This happened, they, they became a, a better mom, a better wife, a better husband, a better Christian, a better worker, a better, a better, just, they just became better. Or this, ha they were great. They were moving. They were doing so good. And then bam, this happened. And then it's like everything at that point changed. Everything just like they couldn't find themselves again. They couldn't get back on their feet. Uh, they just, they just, they, they couldn't get over it. They couldn't move on from it. They, they let that define them. No, it just reminds us, doesn't define us. Could we put our hands on our hearts. I've gone too long today there in Cincy. Put your hands on your hearts. Maybe you're repeating a same mistake. Maybe it's a bad attitude, a wrong behavior. Would you let God lift up the mirror today? of his word. And would you let God ask you some, some, some questions today? Would you just say, would you maybe just ask yourself, am I being honest with myself? Really? Why am I angry? Really? Why am I hurting? Really? And then hear what God says. Do you really have a right to live that way? We understand you have a, a space of grace, a time to heal, we all need that. The Bible says there's a time to mourn. Right? There's a time to grieve. There is a time for that. Do not be upset that you're going to need time. And it may take longer than days. It may take some real time, depending on the level of loss you faced. But listen, put your hands back on the steering wheel in Jesus' name. Put your hands back on the steering wheel. Do not take your hands off of this thing. 